And welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. And uh, we are joined today by our good friend, Chris Talbert. Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. This is kind of like, uh, and it's also the first time I, I've actually seen you again since we saw each other last time, which was in 2016. 18, 2017? I was going to say, at least two years ago, maybe three years ago. So much has changed. I know. Yes. (laughs) It's a completely different world, man. I know. Well, last time you were here, uh, you brought the movie Prevenge. And Mm -hmm. I would say that uh, more than than most movies people have brought to the show, I've recommended that to so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice. It was so broadly appealing, but still very much like a, a stark, unique flavor. So, yeah, that's... That's caused a lot of people to uh, to watch that movie. So thank you. Very good, very good. And and an appreciation uh, of of um, our first time when we met each other for the first time. I'm wearing uh, the shirt that I won at the uh-huh. raffle at the nice. uh, <laughs> Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival. I the love it. Jersey I right on. Shirt where everyone everyone who sees the shirt is like ah. Jurassic World, really? And I'm like, yeah, the shirt is better than the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a great shirt. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm well, you know what? I actually am wearing a shirt is better than the movie shirt right now as well. If I, I uh, fix my posture, you'll know that you'll notice that I'm wearing a Dumb and Dumber Two <laughs> promotional tie-in shirt because I slept well. I failed to sleep in this last night, and so I didn't put. Uh, I work from home, so uh, I, didn't, I didn't. I'm in pajamas still from last night. Nice. You don't wear this one in public because then people will be like, you actually like that? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> but As long as we're doing this, my shirt's actually cool. It's a, a Rough Cut Crippled Avenger shirt. Ooh. Oh, shout out to Rough Cuts. Yeah. Nice. Pretty sweet. Um, but uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. Uh, Chris is a friend of ours. He's a director. We met him at a film festival a couple years ago. Um, and uh, did it? Did, are you going to make a sequel to your movie? Did I hear that right? Are you going to do that? Um, to the to the most beautiful railway. Yeah. Um, not really. I think I think this is over and done. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about. Uh, of course, I'm thinking about another project while earning money. I'm 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 actually earning money as a uh, illustrator and author for for comic books. Yeah. So oh, the, the directing thing is like like it's kind of like a hobby. Sure. Um, and um, I'm, I have a couple of ideas what I want to do next, and probably has to do with the with the reason why I'm um, super tired right now because it's late over here in Germany, and I spent 12 hours in the car today to pick up a an old VHS camera that was uh, sold on eBay, um, like really old, like. I think from 1981, like the kind of camera Ooh. where you, where you, where you can't put tapes in, but you have to hook it to a to a special VCR that you can carry around. Yeah. Um, I picked that up today. Uh, drove lots of mileage for that, and 
this is probably gonna be the look of the next movie is gonna be shitty VHS look, but real shitty VHS look. That's awesome. So the next one could be called the like the less beautiful railway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, the most ugly <laughs> railway. I don't I don't do anything. I only do superlatives. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, your actually, English is better than mine, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you just dropped superlatives on yeah. us. God damn. <laughs> Earlier today, he used a decimal instead of a comma and a large number. I was like, what? Now you're turning numbers into German? How are you doing this? <laughs> oh, dude, I work in international shipping, so dots yeah, as commas are it it's interchangeable yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, every invoice I do this from overseas, uh, a lot of a uh, lot of maths and a lot of uh, a lot of commas switching. And I, I like, have screwed that up so many times where I'm like, Jesus, this is expensive. A thousand bucks, like ten, ten bucks. It's yeah. 10 bucks. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know. I was. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "How did you turn numbers into something I don't understand?" <laughs> well, leave it to the metric system and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, even good. describing your trip, you said that you drove many miles or did a lot of mileage. Yeah. Didn't even drop a kilometers on us. Uh, uh, we Americans are really spoiled. So, I know, uh, I know. And um, dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's um okay with the with the miles again and, and the kilometers. In kilometers it was uh, three hundred fifty to get the camera and three hundred fifty kilometers to go back. So I don't know what's that in miles. Um Me neither, man. At least four probably. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> well, it must be less, it must be must be less miles. Probably something like two hundred miles or Something like that. So 400 miles, all in all. Do you have like a stock of VHS tapes that you have access to already, or is that like the next part of the hunt? Oh, I have tons of that stuff. I also yeah. have a um, blank uh, um, uh, computer diskettes, discs from like you know, like the um, five and a quarter inches and stuff like that, and I have mm-hmm. a couple of. Um, Blank tapes, old blank tapes. Um, well, they're all old actually uh-huh. right now. So, but really old ones uh, sealed. And of course, there's an appeal to just like um, record something on, like on a tape that's been used like many times to yeah, see yeah. What, what comes out with the colors. Um, probably doesn't make any sense to to rely on the on the sound with these cameras have to do sound extra so that's not really an issue there but for the colors i think yeah probably gonna toy around with the the already often used tapes so i remember as a kid my dad came home and so this had been late 80s he came home with like the shoulder mounted camcorder Mm -hmm. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but he used to rent movies and then he rigged it up some way that he would like pirate them off of that. Right. Yeah. And uh, and uh, but yeah. And because of that, it took me so long in my life to not understand that sound ha- like could be recorded separately. Because I remember watching music videos when I was like eight or nine and just being like, I guess they have to play it perfect every time. if It sounds exactly <laughs> like it is on the radio. And and I didn't get the idea of uh, multi-tracks and, you know, sound yeah. being recorded separately. And it's all based on an old VHS camcorder. <laughs> That's where my that... misinformation came from. The magic, I knew everything. Magic toy, you know, like totally deceiving, but um, so much more to look at when, when someone's using that camera than when you're holding up your phone. Yeah, That's you true. Know? 
So when I was in like, I think middle school, my friends and I like made movies together using one of those like shoulder mounted, like you just load a whole VHS right into the side of mm -hmm. it, you know? And so then, you know, and then we had to have like two VCR because we wanted to like put like background music in our movie or what, you know what I mean? So like we would have, you know, you'd use like two VCRs and you would kind of like, that's how you would edit is you'd like record yep. a little bit and then whatever, you know, and then you'd have to like, I forget how we did it, but we had to like rig one VCR into the other so that you could like, you could use sound from one thing and yeah. put it into the sound of your, yeah. it was like, it was really, it was kind of fun that like in order to just make a little like five minute short film together, we had to like, I don't know, you know, MacGyver a way to like, <laughs> yeah. Produce Did it. You were guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was like part of the appeal I think was, was the having to figure that part of it out. I remember we made, I had an SVHS camera, which was the, the mini tapes. Yeah. And then you would put them into an adapter that would expand mm -hmm. it out to put in your VCR. And I remember we were shooting a thing where we had to, we, we we had a car parked in front of my house and we would just sit in it and pretend we were driving. And so it was like a road movie sort of thing. So for any establishing shot of a new location, we would just put on a movie on my TV and then just hold the camera up <laughs> and film the establishing shot. Just, you know, be it just, oh, camera opens on a field. We'd hit that and then pause it and then run back out to the car. And it was yeah. <laughs> so janky, but yeah. the heart was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah shooting... Chronological order was very important. Right. Mm -hmm. These first steps. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real appeal to that. But I assume that your plan would be to like shoot it that way, but but like uh, load that footage digitally and then and edit that way and stuff. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I don't know. Maybe I find someone. I'm. I'm. I've been working on one uh, on a music video with a um, the real professional camera guy. Um, and he's totally into this like. Yeah, like he's a camera geek, so okay. he's 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 just like waiting for for me to come over with his camera so he can check it out. And um, uh, he actually had this camera that I bought. He had this when he was a kid. His dad bought this camera, so it's gonna be like a, some sort of re reunion for him. And his wife is uh, an editor, so maybe she'll jump on the train on uh, editing it on some strange. Uh, VHS editing device from right. way back when. You know, I don't nice. know. Um, I'm not really sure what we're gonna shoot. I have in mind what I, you know, like life is short, so you should do what you really want to do. And I think what I would really like to do would be a weird courtroom drama because I like just like I love courtroom dramas. I just yes. like yes. everything. So something like this is in my head at the moment and. Probably not going to happen before next year, but we'll see. That's cool. Oh, that's I mean, incredible. Yeah, I guess like take advantage of this time to plan, right? Like that's yep. like you said, life is short, so like you're stuck inside right now. Fucking plan that shit out and, and film a fucking courtroom drama on VHS when you're done. <laughs> what about what about you do a courtroom drama though, and every character in the courtroom is just is smoking inside in the courtroom. Just well, every single character, and no matter what they're yelling, they all just have like a <laughs> yeah. they have like a a dramatic cigarette, you know, with a dramatic with... oh, most dramatic cigarettes. Um, yeah, <laughs> totally down <laughs> for the that. Title. Oh, I like it's gonna be a super expensive movie with all the cigarettes to buy, but you know, we'll have about to go cartons. low budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
you'll have to hire somebody to roll cigarettes. We'll just have to sit oh, off true. camera yeah. constantly rolling new cigarettes. Uh, you should do it where like every shot starts with somebody dramatically taking a drag off a cigarette. Like no yeah, matter yeah, how yeah. much it ruins the flow of the conversation, yeah. <laughs> every shot starts with, <sighs> and then they say their line. Love it. Even even like the old grizzled lawyer will have like the moment where he's just like. <clears throat> I'll put the system on trial. <laughs> <clears throat> You're out of order. I'm out of order. I did that the backwards way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I think we should we should uh we should talk about uh, the movie that you brought for this week's show. Yeah. And that is the 1997 James Mangold written and directed uh cop melodrama i'd call it yeah copland copland land Land of cops cop cop world (laughs) cop world that's the next one cop world cop universe and then return to copland (laughs) so uh oh so chris you this was your idea to talk this movie would you like to talk a bit about why you chose this oh i i I suggested it um because garrett uh said asked that we do talk about a movie that like like an older movie that we all love and i kind of assumed that both of you guys already know this movie and since you love movies and movie movies and this is definitely um i'm just gonna say it a movie movie i just thought oh, unbelievably okay, yes yeah we we have to talk about copland um copland is one of those movies that when i seen it for the first time it didn't leave like like something i was pretty young back then and expected something something else and by the time i got older and and rewatched it it grew on me and then suddenly it was like bam this movie is perfect and i just realized this by growing up so i think for me it's a very kind of grown up movie for me mm. so i think it's interesting that you frame it that way cuz i do i remember when this came out and I specifically remember, so like, so this came out, I would have been 13 years old. And I remember my dad being like, oh man, that, that's got everybody I love in it. That looks so good. And I saw it back then with him. And I guess I didn't quite get it because we both went into it thinking like, this is going to be an explosive, action-packed, you know, right. Stallone, De Niro, like all that. And then, it, no, it's a slow, you know, until it's not, it's a slow and metered drama. And uh, it wasn't until I revisited it as I fell into hardcore Stallone fandom that I grew to appreciate it as well, which was when I became an adult. <laughs> that was the moment I became an adult. <laughs> 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 what I mean to say is when once I was once I was an adult, I, I definitely appreciated what they went for more and uh, grew to really love it all the same. And yeah. also it was like... Um the time when it came out was like i think people are still under the influence of movies like pulp fiction like like very violent very graphic movies and it had like the cast and for stallone it was kind of like a role like for travolta people expected kind of like this so yeah i think the the movie was like way too early for um for the audience um Okay, when I start stuttering, it's because I'm tired and getting drunk, <laughs> and it's not my first language. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, you're, you're... 
and I, I had never seen this before, so this was like my uh, my first experience with Copland. And I I also remember when it came out. I was ten when this movie came out, uh, and so I was like too young for you know what I mean. I, I do remember that this was just a a movie that was coming out, and I remember mm. thinking like, oh look at that stuffy drama that I'm probably never gonna see. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, you expected the right thing. Right, yeah, but only to find out that that's exactly what I want out of movies. Like, I, yeah. I lament that movies like this don't exist anymore, you know? Oh, it's Where it's so like good. This... It's so thoroughly plotted. Mm. Yeah, it's and it's like the star-studded, but, like, nobody is playing to their star power, really. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, De Niro, I can't, I can't believe in 1997 De Niro took a role like this. He's, like, well, kind of barely in the movie, you know? Dude, when's the last time that you watched uh, Jackie Brown? Oh, just recently. Because that was also 1997, and that that is probably my favorite De Niro performance. Yeah. And um, in this and in Jackie Brown, he sort of is playing typically against type. And I wonder yeah. if that was just like the year that he was like, you know, I'm gonna I gotta do the mouth. Uh, I'm gonna do something different, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's also playing second fiddle, right? Which is just like unusual yeah. to see in general in his career. Let alone, I feel like you know, this is like pretty, you know, this is what 20, 30 years into his career. It, mm-hmm. So it just like it, it, I was like surprised that he is like ultimately like kind of a mi- not a minor character, but like a minor role in the movie, you know, yeah, um, every, everyone in this movie is really modest about his stardom. Yeah. Um, and when I say his, it's 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 true. It's mostly male. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was talking with uh, with my better half, Jenna, about that. And because uh, we were talking about your tweet, Garrett, about how uh, uh What's Robert his name? Patrick? Robert Patrick. You're like, yeah. oh, that, that. And I was yeah. like, oh, Garrett's got uh, some kind of a type here. Because I said, of all the hunks in this movie, yeah. I, I don't see him as the hunkiest. Yeah. But then Jenna was like, are there any lady hunks? I was like, I think there's one woman in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> there was like, it's just the yeah. one. There's one well, no, no. That... When you pay close attention, there are a couple of women. And uh, but they're more like, how do you say, uh, like... They're supporting the plot, but they don't. Yeah. They are not like real, well-written-out characters. I don't even think um, they ever interact like... with each other. The only women I can think of, I don't think ever interact with each other in the movie. They definitely don't, because it's it's a uh, the bomb squad lady and, 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 and the woman Garofalo. that you can't convince me is not uh, Marissa Tomei. Uh, well, oh, Janine Garofalo is the oh, that's right, yes, top. and she's real good. Uh, I actually liked her character because she served to highlight how just egotistical everybody besides her was being. Yeah, yeah. All she's, these dudes are, are dudes that are, like, going to man out as hard as they can, and she's like, no, calm down. Right. She has two scenes that are really, like, one scene is, like, it's not her scene, but she's in it. Uh, we might get to that later. And there's one scene that's cut out of the movie with her and um, Sylvester Stallone's... Um, character having a talk and they're kind of like on a date i think mm. but it's not mm. really sure mm. uh and they're having a discussion about uh the racial problems uh the the racial prejudice of the of the town and of the police and, oh, that's and interesting yeah. everyone and that's cut out of the movie it's it's on the dvd as an extra um so she, to look that up. like her character is like probably in in gender roles the more prolific one compared to like uh, Isabella Chioras, uh yeah. plays, I think Liz is her name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the love interest, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, but there's also Debbie Harry in it. 
She's yeah, you know what? Hot. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't even recognize her when when she was in it. Like somehow oh, she's we, she's the ultimate hunk. I know. It's, it's <laughs> somehow it like <laughs> passed both of us by. So. Yeah. Well, know, I think um in terms of of everybody sort of playing against type. I do remember that this movie came out when Stallone was, I don't want to call it a career crisis, but the beefy 80 star was sort of on the wane. Yeah. You know, uh, Schwarzenegger's moving towards politics. Yeah. Bruce Willis is like just a good actor generally. And, uh, you know, so what's Stallone going to do when he's this muscle bound, you know, just like synonymous with Reagan 80s, roided out machine guns, everybody's shiny with sweat. And uh, so for him to play sort of a guy, he gains some weight and really leans into his often hidden acting skills. Um, and, you know, he had a couple of years where things weren't going too well after that in terms of putting out quality movies. So it didn't work. But in this movie, it does. I, I really think I, I commend him for trying something so new. And as someone who's like kind of an innovator in the way that he does his career, that felt like an innovative move where he tried to do something, but like might have pulled the trigger at the wrong time. Well, here's here's what I'll say about his performance, and I I loved him in it. I thought he was like yeah. so good. But I feel like what this movie highlights for me is that like the character that he's actually best at playing is like a dimwit. He like he's very mm-hmm. good at playing dimwitted characters. Um, like this feels like it's not that far off from Rocky or even the way Rambo is depicted in the first in first blood, like these Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, he, he has this thing where he's like, people say things to him and they kind of bounce off of him. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh Huh? Yeah. 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 Hey, but, but you can tell they're not actually like hitting him. He's not processing half the things he's like hearing. There's like, Oh, see, I I feel like there's what, what I like about his performance is a lot of the times I feel like when people are throwing stuff at him, maybe more so later in the movie when the plot's getting thicker, uh, I, I see some great acting on Stallone's part in terms of depicting the gears turning. Yeah, oh yeah, he does. You know, like, it, I guess maybe it is something that develops over the movie. Yeah. So, like, his gears start turning and he's, yeah. Yeah, because the is... thing that's, I think, so interesting about the performance early in the movie is that it's lacking the gear turns. Mm-hmm. And the movie, I mean, the story is about why this guy has gotten this way, right? Like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's had this experience why his gear that set has... Down. Right, exactly. Yeah, that has led him to this point in his career. And anyway, so yes, I think it's like, but I do think that that's a thing that he's actually good at and has been good at over his career is this kind of character. And it's interesting that that's the kind of character he's like best at, actually. That's a trick of the script. He's, he's uh, introduced as uh, like rea- he's he's uh, he's playing at the pinball machine, yeah. and uh, he's not introduced... the Lethal Weapon Three pinball machine, <laughs> right? And he's not introduced as the sheriff right away, right? Um, and uh, Ray Liotta uh, says says this thing: there are two two kinds of people in the world: uh, pinball machine people and um, arcade game or, or computer game. Uh, uh, people, and um, this is great, great. Um, what do you call it? Uh, not a metaphor, but like an uh, what's a what's a right term for this? It's a theme, a theme, um, and it's kind of like for me, it's mysterious because I don't get it. I don't know what a what a what a pinball person is and what a, a computer person is, but probably it means something like 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 Garrett says that that. He's he's a bit on the on the slow side, but later on in the movie, there's this great scene where you, where you see. Um, should we talk about what the movie is about, or <laughs> should I just? I want to I want to hear right you finish this thought, and then we can go okay. back to that. Yeah. 
because I because think you're onto something very interesting here. It has something something to do with his past because he's like his claim to fame is that he saved, um, he witnessed uh, a car crashing from a bridge into the river and he didn't he reacted and saved the woman or the girl that was in the car and and by by that he destroyed his like I think his right ear. I, he, he like, ruptured his uh, his right eardrum. Slamming right. it against the window to break break her out, and he's um, reminiscing about this at one moment. He says, like back then, he just like if this would happen now, he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't act, he wouldn't do anything, and he would just mm -hmm. think, would be busy with thinking. Mm -hmm. So um, he, he's he's slow, he's heavy, he's he's uh, yeah. but I don't think that he's really that dim. It's just like. I think he's not that interested in all this right. stuff. He's been dull. He yeah, he's dull. He's yeah. like disconnected. He's yeah, yeah. He's, he's have, like when we get into it, I have something that I want to say about the whole pinball thing because I I think I broke it wide open. <laughs> okay, all but right. I think nice. Chris, that you're probably right. Uh, we yeah. should talk about what this movie's about because I think that this it's kind of thematically resonant to the present day in terms of the idea that cops, although a good force. Uh, can be easily corrupted and can easily do things out of self-interest as opposed to out of interest of the law. And that's sort of at the heart of this. Um, of course, we're going to spoil everyone who's listening because yeah. that's what we do here. So we suggest you listen to it. But for the intrepid, this yeah. is about a town outside of New York. Uh, it's a made-up township. It was a, was a garrison. Yeah. Garrison. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a real place. Uh, that, that, uh, Water tower was uh, put in after the fact. Yeah. And, uh, but this is where I think the rules are only transit cops in New York can live outside of the city. Otherwise, if your law enforcement law requires that you live in the city, I forget how this connects to these cops, but there's a bunch of New York cops that live in their own little, I guess you could call it a cop land. Yeah. In northern yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's basically a town for cops. It's you know yeah. they have they have some complicated way of explaining it, but the the result is it's this town that is populated almost exclusively by New York police officers. Right. And so by virtue of that, uh, since everybody is above the law, uh, there uh, you know really there is no law. Right. Yeah. They they in fact they install this uh, sheriff. The the guy they make the sheriff is a guy they intentionally sort of grab to be the sheriff. He's this, as Chris was explaining earlier, this sort of like old town hero or whatever. He rescued this girl, but in doing so, he injured himself. He ruptured his ear and that prevented him from ever being able to become a quote unquote real cop. Uh, mm -hmm. So they sort of give him the olive branch of, well, you can be the sheriff of our little cop town. And, and basically the, you know, the implicit agreement there is like, you will get to be in charge of nothing because you'll never say anything about anything that happens in this town. We will, uh, you know, as lawmen, we will observe our own law, basically. You know, it's crazy. The, the cop that Stallone is, Freddie, uh, the cop that Freddie is, is the cop that I feel like in a lot of ways we just need more of. Right. But he's also the cop that we need less of. Like, we don't want a cop that's just going to roll over to corruption. But we do want a cop that wants to help. Right, he cares about his community, right? Like, that's yeah. like a thing they make pretty clear. Um, he makes his service personal. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Wow. Well, I don't know. Um, 
I think we're as 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 an audience we're we're sympathetic with him because he's such he's he's wounded mm -hmm. and he presents himself very vulnerable, which no one else in the movie does, except maybe for uh the boy Wanda or, or what's his name? Superboy? Oh, Superboy. Or, <laughs> Superboy. Superboy. What a, what a great <laughs> What a great script choice that this, like, this movie that's so self-serious, there's a character that everyone just refers to as Superboy the whole time. <laughs> right. Oh, you know what, though? I love that, though, because uh, uh, the one guy's Figgy. Yeah. Uh, was that what it was? Or Gilly? Figus, or something? I forget what it is. Yeah. Figus, yeah, he's Figgy. Yeah. Uh, everybody's kind of got a name, and it speaks to the idea of, like, they are a gang. Yeah, yeah, right. They are essentially yeah. a gang. They're no yeah. different than the mob that they pretend to fight. They're no different than the gangbanger that they pretend to fight. Right. Uh, right. They are just, they're they're funded well. Yeah. Oh, right. And so then the actual plot of this movie, I really just gave you like the setting, basically. That was all the dressing for uh, these cops, uh, a, a sort of young hotshot cop that's like a rising star or whatever. He, I, I forget, he like rescued eight kids or something. I think right? it was There's, four. Yeah, he, and he, and they were black. Right. Yes, they <laughs> they they keep explicitly saying you rescued a bunch of black babies. Like you're you're mm -hmm. you're bulletproof basically. Like no one's ever gonna. Everybody will turn a blind eye to you because you're you're bulletproof now. They call him Superboy. Anyway, this kid, pretty much like I mean like he does think he hears a gunshot, but but very violently kills two black guys in like a in like a a, a road accident. I guess I would call it. And he's raging drunk yes yeah they make no bones yeah. about that like he yeah. left that bar fucked yeah. up and, and and so he's and he believes he saw a gun and heard a gunshot and the movie makes explicit like i understand why he he thinks those things i don't think he's making it up that he thought he saw a gun and heard a gunshot yeah. you know but and, and for the setting all this happens on the bridge yes from, on the on the bridge from to, yes to garrison yes you know what i want to point out is a yeah. really smart script choice um, and it says everything about the town, you know, without, you know, uh, crazy exposition is just that when he gets out to the car to drive home. Yeah. You know, it's it's quite literally just all the other cops just you good to drive. I'm good to drive. And everybody yeah. knows he's not good to drive. But who's going to stop him? Right. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, and a courtesy that it's also explicit. Freddie enjoys as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 This is a, a uh, what's the word for that? They just they they. Nothing seen, well, they nothing spoken. Without, yeah, 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 um, exactly, yeah. Uh, but that, and so this kid, super, what are they, super boy? Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he violently, <laughs> he violently kills these two black men, as, as you said, Chris, on the bridge from New York to Garrison, which I believe they say is the George Washington Bridge, that they uh, goes to this this fake right, just like literally empties right yeah, into yeah, this yeah. town, um, and and so uh, and then the movie is about. The cops and Garrison trying to cover up this crime, trying to protect the kid. You know, they, they fake the kid's death. They try and protect that information from ever coming out. They try and protect the kid. Really, it's because they're also protecting a bunch of other crimes that they have committed over the past, we find out, like two to five, maybe even longer years. Um, and the movie is about Freddy, the town sheriff, waking up to the corruption of this town that he is the sheriff of and deciding mm. that maybe it's time some justice actually be done that that he's you know uh, yeah this is this is intertwined with with the incident of of superboy because um the uh the the, the people of garrison the, the the cops from i think it's the 37th precinct or something yep. in, in new york um they decide 
the first they try to to plant a gun uh, in the car of the uh, of the the two young kids. Of that all killed. the guns to plant, that yeah. was Planted. that was that was some <laughs> well, poor doozy, right? planning on your boy's part there, Garrett. Because yeah. like they were like, yeah, just get a gun out of the cabinet, we'll plant it on him, and he comes back just like. <laughs> Do you think this one will do, boys? Yeah. <laughs> you could have gone with a pistol. No, but no, no, enough. but but this is this is on purpose. This is on purpose because they start like like the 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 medics that are there. They're yes. like, no, this gun wasn't there before. Yeah, we are. So everyone everyone is that. distracted, and in that time, you see Superboy walking to the edge of the bridge. Right. And then his uncle also in the police, and probably a big shot because everyone's facing to him, saying, Ray. What are we gonna do, Ray? 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 And Ray is Harvey Keitel. Um, Harvey Keitel so, just celebrated his 81st birthday this week. Man, what a oh, life. right. Yeah. I hope he didn't drunk home, uh, drove home drunk. <laughs> <laughs> drunk home drive. Um, uh, so, uh, and in all of the Sorakis, um, uh they lose track or sight of of Superboy, and then all of a sudden Ray is shouting, "He jumped!" Yeah. Oh, so well, that's too bad. But we don't have a problem with a cop killing two innocent black kids anymore. So we're good here. Um, yeah. Yeah. This that's, other way of, of cleaning is... up the crime is, is right. sort of committing another one, basically, is yeah. faking this kid's death. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Everyone yeah. move along. I love <laughs> the bad love, cop is dead. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved Kaitel's performance in that moment. He, because he, he, like, you know, for us, it's like this is our first experience with Kaitel's character. We really don't have any reason not to trust him, except that we're watching the cops with him do all these untrustworthy things one at a time, right? And, and then you, but you can hear, you know, yeah, but you can hear yeah. it in Kaitel's <laughs> voice in his performance. He just goes, "Oh God, he jumped." Oh God, yeah. he <laughs> yes, like he's it's so performative and so, but yeah. in like a in like a he he can't even actually convincingly perform it either. Yeah. Oh God, he he jumped. He oh God, and we're he, we're all at home sitting there. We're like, this guy's terrible. He's like some sort of a a bad cop. He's like a bad lieutenant or something. <laughs> Indeed, nice. <laughs> the video element allows me to do stupid puns because yes. I can just do this. Yeah. And then, you know, you guys will know that I'm being silly. Because if I just said that dry, you'd be like, we got to hang up on this, this fucking guy. <laughs> no, I think that was pretty good. Great. Oh, thanks. Um, I, yeah. I, I have a line written down. I, I wrote down a bunch of lines because this script is absolutely fantastic. I, I think so. And, um, I mean, I, Dan, to me, the thing that's so amazing about the script is the way it handles exposition. Because yeah. this feels, I mean, there's a lot to exposit. I mean, yes, for for a movie to be this aggressively just like plot, 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 really never stops. Yeah, but still feel character based. Yeah, is something that really works. And and I I think I I read it as like kind of a melodrama. It yeah, me goes, too. it leans into that, and I think that really helps facilitate an, an even match between, you know, the 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 plot release and the actual character work. And it's, I. It's, Oh, sorry, Chris. Go. Ahead. Oh, uh, I mean, well, I just think that that is um, the reason it works so well is the melodrama because, like, all of the exposition is couched in heightened drama. Like, anytime there's exposition, it's because two characters are like so upset they have to talk about their backstory with each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. Every, the the only time we get exposition, there's never like a and there could be. There's so many cops in this movie, 
but there's never a like put a bunch of stuff on a whiteboard and explain the case. Mm-hmm. It, it, we only get information through these like moments of high tension and heightened emotion where characters yeah. have to express like what they're thinking and feeling to each other, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that like really, I don't know, that works very well for me as like an information delivery service. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you guys are killing me. I, I think I might go grab a beer. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, please. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think what makes the uh, um, this uh, feel really different to a lot of other movies who have like this like like this ensemble of of many characters. I think this is really very much structured like like novel. Yes. Um, you really have the the feeling that they're they're taking their time to establish things they're waiting for the right moment to establish things um or not they but but you know like the the writer and director yeah uh james mangold and his uh producer what, mm-hmm. what was her name Kate kathy yeah right because she i believe has a writing credit as well right yeah and they got married after that movie Oh, I did not know this. Are they? Uh, do you know if they're still married? Are they like a power? Oh, I don't know. I just listened to the uh, to the uh, directors and producers commentary, and oh. that's like the last info they they drop on you in this. So let me see what we have. We have the internet. So I'm going to yeah, I got the internet. Here we go. Uh, you know, Mangold is written as the listed as the only writer on IMDb, but I could swear I saw somebody else's name on the movie. Well, they developed the the script. I think for a year. Okay. Went, oh, they're not they're not married anymore. Kathy Conrad. She yes. produced the movie. Yeah. And um she did a very, very good job with this. Yeah. It, oh, I mean it, it's also like um uh, you know this is gonna sound like a weird insulting comment and it's not meant to be, but I do not think of James Mangold as like a visual stylist necessarily, mm-hmm. but I loved the way this movie looked. I mean, it has that thing that like most nineties movies have where mm-hmm. like something about the film stock that they use then it's got that, like everything looks like it's shot at golden hour, no matter what or whatever, you know what I mean? Does, yeah. does that make any He's, sense to anybody? Yeah. If you look back at his filmography though, you'll see a lot of stuff that required a, a fair amount of like technical proficiency to pull off. Right. And I, I think he's another he's like a, a director where like no style is his style. Yeah. Um I think you you should really watch uh Ford v Ferrari. Dawn oh yeah, Christmas. I would like to. This made um, me want to watch that even more. I was like already looking forward to that, and this like really made me want to watch it. Yeah, the movie's pretty solid, but the racing sequences are shot in, like, really clever ways. Cool. But it's never, like, you know, you used this word uh, a couple episodes ago, and I love it. Uh, it's not bombastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's very just, uh, it's low on bombast, but very yeah. high on, on a clean style. And, um, I know, think... James, James Mangold reminds me of, like, when Ron Howard's really good, he makes a James Mangold movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, it feels like a, I don't know how else to describe this, but like a classic American movie. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We were yeah. talking a little bit earlier, Chris, off mic about like, this has the feel of a Western to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. partly because of some of the story elements, but a lot just because of, I don't know, it just has this like classic American movie feel to it that, uh, you know, you could credit Westerns with a lot of. But the other thing I was going to say, Dan, is that sort of no style thing. It, there's like a visual poetry to this movie that because his 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 style is no style, I think you could almost like you almost don't even realize it. But like the bridge is constantly framed in the background mm-hmm. of shots yeah. of this movie, 
as is the water tower, which becomes like a big plot point later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like he, he frames it constantly in the background of this town that yeah. it's looked it's over by this water tower and this yeah. bridge. Yeah. And, and there's like, you know, there's like a visual poetry to that that is, I don't know, I feel like most directors I like are are a little more bombastic about their visual style and would, would have called out to those images more, right? Like I, I would... And here they just, I don't know, they felt like so, well, I, I think, don't know, they're, they're part of the palette of the movie in some way that that, that feels, um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe that, but like, um, well, the, camouflaged the, or something. The, 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 the camera does things that are like, like from today's viewpoint, um, when you see movies that have like, you like, as you said, Garrett, like, like this shot is gold, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the the camera is very old school and clever in this movie because it decides on where it stands and what it shows. And like, if someone is like filmed, like who is standing where, like, like the, the direction of the, um, of the actors, how are they, um, uh, presented in the picture? Like, like the movie does one thing in the, in the final, like in the showdown, like for the first time it, 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 there's a crane shot, and you never have a crane shot before, and at least at least that I can remember. Yeah. And this is like such an intense feeling. It's like like a build up to this, and every other camera decision before that is like, do we see um, Robert De Niro standing up or sitting down? Who's standing? What's what's the view? Mm. So it's very subtle, and um, in that way, I think more effective than a shot that just says. Look at this. This looks great. Um, yeah. So it goes with the story. It goes with the characters, which is old school and effective, but it's also like very well framed, as you said. Like the information of what is in the picture is all to that. And it, it really shows you what this town is like, which I think is essential for the idea of a copland taking hold of this town. Yeah, uh, You have to get a feel for the soul of it. And the way that all of the information is sort of naturalistically included in does a lot of the ex- exposition that we talk about it, you know, moving past. And it makes the Garrison Township feel real. Even, mm-hmm. And it's just not a real place at all. If I didn't yeah. know it wasn't, I wouldn't know it wasn't. Right, yeah. And, and it's still, it's not, it's not like shot in a documentary style fashion um to to let us feel that it's it's still a movie and uh actually mangold wanted to do a western that was like his first idea for this picture was i want to i want to shoot a western Mm. and he said i don't know i don't know anything about the the life uh and times of you know like these like this um this the days and age of the of the wild wild west um but he grew up in uh sort of like a like a cop town in copland he that's uh-huh. that's where he actually grew up and so yeah. he said he's gonna take this scenario and and put this in a like tell a western story with a scenario yeah. and uh you know, like make it simple like make the, mm-hmm. the, the whole com uh, complex um cops and and jurisdictions and and precincts and and the mafia just put it in a simple story so <clears throat> yeah there's a whole lot of uh you better get out of town in this movie mm-hmm. yeah. you know that's a you know what this kind of reminded me of in that respect uh chris have you seen hell or high water mm-hmm. 
it because yep. that had the same sort of western feeling i think it built up to the same sort of ending because yeah. uh, you know even at the end of this it has that classic it, it does feel very much like a western i guess is all i'm trying to say and that's true and i think i think that's what i meant when when we spoke earlier when i said that like this movie is kind of ahead of its time Mm-hmm. Um, because it like like I got really back to this movie when I watched Logan and I was really blown away by Logan. I was like, wow, that's like the first superhero um, take like like um, that I really dig. It's so good. It's intense. It's also super simple. Um, it's kind of like it's different, but it's it, you can watch it on a in a double feature with a movie like Blue Ruin, I think, which just oh, goes yeah. for you. Uh, that's, that's a great recommendation. Oh. Um, Garrett, have you seen Logan? I've seen both of those movies, Logan and Blue Ruin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's what I mean. That's a great recommendation. The uh, as a double feature, that's like I never oh, thought yeah, of that. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, and also Hell or High Water. It's like like this. Like the, these movies are they're they're raw. They're really brutal and they're really simple. Mm-hmm. So um, and I think all of this is like in Copland. Except for that, it's not like it's it's brutal, but only physical in the end, you know. Yeah. Like mm. like the 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 town feels brutal. It's it's not a happy place. It's not right. a happy copland. Um, <laughs> that's just a very funny. That's a funny. That that rolls off the tongue nicely. Happy copland. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if they made a twenty years later sequel and called it Happy Copland? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it'd be Copland Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Cop World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. But uh, I wrote yeah. down a line that I loved. Uh, my favorite scene, I think, is the scene where De Niro gets to monologue mm-hmm. at Stallone to talk him into maybe helping out with his investigation. Yeah. And uh, Stallone's first thing that he says to him is, "Oh no, you never do it. I mean, he don't shit where he eats." <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I have a, I have a bathroom in my house, and I use that bathroom. I live in a house. I shit in it, and I eat. <laughs> that is such a good line. And uh, this feels very westerny. Uh, another De Niro line from that scene, with the, or from right before that, when he's speaking to Ray, uh, uh, he says, uh, "You know what? Why are you out here in town?" He goes, "I heard there was a way of life out here. Thought I'd check it out myself." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That is that is that feels like Clint Eastwood in any of the spaghetti westerns, mm-hmm. where you know they're like, "Why are you out here?" and he's just like, bleh, 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 bleh. and it's polite, but it's like he he actually said, "Fuck you, eat my shit," yeah, but it yeah. sounded like you know, oh, it's so good. I really enjoyed De Niro in this. My actually my favorite scene was the sort of the inverse of that scene, Dan. Um, much later in the movie when uh, Stallone decides, "Wait, I am going to do something about this," and tries to go to De Niro for help. And De Niro mm-hmm. and his partner, they can't help him because the case has already been closed. There's like, you know, there's something they can do. And so they're like, they're like aggressively mean to him, but in like a very funny way where they're just like, they're like really dismissive of him. And it has, it, I really liked this. I just thought it was like a really good scene, but it also has a line in it that I have heard many times and had no idea was from Copland. I didn't know there was like a thing in Copland that like <laughs> oh. people referenced all the time. Let's and, do it on three. Okay. Yeah. Ready? Uh, yep. One, two, three. You, you blew, blew it! it! <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that was from Copland. When that happened, I lost my mind. 
That is that is like the go-to uh, De Niro impression now. You blow it! Yeah, you blow it! <laughs> okay. Yep, that is from this. Oh, the my God. That made me laugh so hard. I was like, I can't believe that that is from Copland. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That just blew my mind. But I also just, like, legitimately enjoyed that scene a lot. I like that that's, like, what this movie is about, is, like, building to that moment where, like, dude, you did fucking blow it. Like, you just... Yeah, you, you, you slept you, on it. Yeah, you didn't make the move when you needed to make the move. And and, and I think the movie is a lot about, you know, like, uh, getting older and, like, you know, getting slower. And, like, you know what I mean? It's like, to some extent, some of this isn't even, like, his... Tr- he's getting older. He's getting slower. Yeah. He's also decided to disconnect because of mm-hmm. circumstances and stuff. But, like, I, I really like this idea that the, the movie is just kind of about, like, yeah, dude, I mean, like, you either got to you can't make that choice too late. Like you got to jump. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, that like really, for some reason that really struck me in that moment. At the end of that scene, I wrote down another line because I laughed so hard at it, but it's a great moment because it, it leaves Freddie leaving the office thinking that he lost. And therefore it motivates him to, to work beyond the law and actually do a good thing. And, uh, but he can't know that there's still a chance but we got to know. They let us off a little bit because after uh, Freddie leaves De Niro's office, De Niro just goes, this cupcake shake things, shakes things up. We got a case again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he calls him a cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but it's a great moment because when Stallone leaves, you're like, oh, man, like he really did blow it. And yeah. then when they have that little throwaway line, you're like, oh, here comes act three. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's such a great transition. It's such smart scripting. Yeah. And it like lets us off the hook for being like, oh man, he really did blow it, but it doesn't let Freddie off the hook. Mm-hmm. It, it beautifully done. So, so what happened until then is that, um, of course, uh, the the plan of the of the cops uh, hiding Superboy uh, doesn't work because. No. How, how could it, with their part of their plan being to have a sex party for Superboy? <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep you in hiding, but also fuck all of these women. Congratulations, have fun. <laughs> so um, the 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 how do you say the um, they have to investigate, and the investigation demands a body to be found from right. from from the river, and um, so they decide, okay. We saved him. Now we have to kill him, which is like, what? <laughs> Dude, that mm-hmm. when the movie took that turn, like that was the thing that I think I didn't expect was that these guys were actually like that e- evil. Right. Like, that, yeah. like I, I, I kind of thought they were going to like ship this guy off. And, and truly, I thought like, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but oh, at their worst, they'll kill someone else and put that body in the river. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I did not expect them to turn on their own just to make sure that they were not found out in this ploy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's two like terrifying lines that they, that they pull out where that rug gets pulled out where you go, shit, they're, they're going to kill somebody. Yeah. Is when I forget where one of them says a body's got to show up. Right. Soon mm-hmm. before something. Happens. And then when uh, they get the call that, that, you know, they're going to have to kill this guy and Harvey guy tells on the phone and he's like, what do you want me to do? He's my sister-in-law's kid. Yeah. And then on the other end, they said, didn't you say Wasn't he was he adopted? adopted? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and as soon as that is, that's the, once that thread is broken, he's like, yeah, I can kill this guy. Right. Absolutely gut-wrenching, terrifying, and it's such a well-written line. Oh, and it puts, I'm so envious of the script. It, it, it puts the, 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 the stakes way up for what Freddy is potentially dealing against. So for us, 
as an audience that he blows it, that he's reacting too late, man, the suspense is getting much more intense than instead if he had you know, like acted right away and said like, I have to do this, I have to report this. So we get gather more and more information of what they're willing to do to protect Copland. Right, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, and there's also like this um, this interesting thread about I think it's Ray Liotta's character, Ray Liotta character, his character's brother, I think. Right. There's this thing about he got put in prison for something that happened with all of these cops and then they had him killed in prison. He had a similar thing happening as um, Superboy. Right. And, and he got before a trial. And and he threatened to, like, um, blow this thing wide open that this cop land actually is financed by the mob. Right, that's right. There, there's mm. there's so, like a mob bank behind all of cop land. So he gets killed in while in prison. Right. And everyone has to keep stum about it um, for the sake of, you know, like, cop land. Right. I'm going to say this... <laughs> Every oh, time I, I can say I, it. I'm I was waiting for that moment Copland. when they when they first said it because <laughs> yeah, I yeah. knew one character was going to say Copland in the movie, and I forget what the line was. But as soon as it's they Robert said it, I Nero, had that moment of like, actually, mm, yeah. <laughs> there it is. I think I think it's I think he says, "So you're the sheriff of Copland," yeah, oh, yeah, something yeah. like that. I think. Yeah. yeah. So this uh -huh. is Copland, huh? You can <laughs> keep it. <laughs> but, uh, Dan, to keep complimenting the script, I think one of the really interesting things is that what we just talked about, this this brother of Ray Liotta's that is killed in prison and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think there's ever a moment where anybody fully explains all of this. No. The yeah. three of us just have gathered that information from the movie. The movie oh, yeah. sort of pieces... Ray Liotta's like undercover. Right, right. yeah. You know, and we find out that he has like an undercover girlfriend that, right. that everybody resents because... You're not supposed to actually fall into relationships while you're undercover. Right. There's right. a lot going on, and it's all just kind of textured into it. Yeah. Right. I even, by the way, I even kind of got the impression that is Ray Liotta undercover, or is Ray Liotta undercover because they killed his brother two years ago and they need him to keep his mouth shut, so he's just yeah. doing That's, cocaine, living yeah. like a slob, like just keeping yeah. his mouth shut, and they're telling well, they the force we got him he's undercover. Taken... Yeah, he's undercover, but he's running drugs for the mob and right. taking a little bit off the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I yeah. think okay, you're right. Yeah. Like, he's branded as undercover, but his day-to-day -day job is he moves drugs for the mob. Right. He yeah. also, I believe. And he yeah. also looks like he gained 40 pounds for the role as Sylvester yes. Stone. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They're so both... Sylvester Stallone, like, who apparently did it by eating pancakes. Really? That sounds right. That's how yeah. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I interest you in a product? They're called Power Pancakes. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to bring you in. We're going to make you a salesman. We're going to do this. No. Um, <laughs> Fellas, I'm going to fetch another beer. Keep at it. Me too. Me oh, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're on your own. I'm having a beer. No, no, no. We're going to keep this rolling. This <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. I was like, Chris, if you abandon us, I have to stay. <laughs> no, I, I, you think I can't carry this shit by myself? Well. I'm a man who can talk. <laughs> There was a, uh, I don't want to go into the, the uh, pinball allegory just yet, but uh, in terms of this movie being similar to a Western, one of my favorite scenes was the carnival, mm -hmm. where Freddy has to shoot, uh, I believe it was five shots out of six through the little paper star. 
Right. Ah, that's really good. It's framed like an old western. It is a little bit mm-hmm. of like a all right draw kind of thing. It's a it's a ego. Nobody calls me chicken. But what's cool about this is I think it doubles as a moment where Freddie realizes I actually think I still got it. Yes, it's like like he's he's uh, he's finding his penis and <laughs> knows how to use it. <laughs> Welcome back, Garrett. Would you like us to fill you in on what that means? I was literally about to sit down and be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed everyone saw my basketball shorts. And then I sat down to, it's like he's trying to find his penis. We're talking about the scene where it's straight out of an old Western. It's at the Carnival Shooting Gallery. Yes, yes. Where there is a, a dick measuring contest yes, there between is. Uh, uh, between, Robert Patrick. Between and, my boy. Yeah. Between your boy and yeah. my boy. And uh, (laughs) love Stallone. And but uh, so then it's a moment where it's a very badass ego driven thing where he like nails five out of six shots. But like it doubles in this movie as sort of a heart filled moment where Freddie realizes like I can still do this. Yeah. And I should still do this. Yes. Yeah. It's when he discovers that like, oh, I could have jumped to react. Like Mm -hmm. if I had jumped to react, I would have found out all those reflexes. Like that's just like. That's some intrinsic thing I have. That's that's not practice. That's not what you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it it's leads awesome. to that that uh, what you said earlier, Chris, the line that we referenced towards the beginning, where he says, you know, if I had to save that girl now, I don't yeah. think I would do it. I would I would think I would think about it. Yeah. Right. He's 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 stopping. He's he's. That's the moment where he stops thinking and just like acts. And yeah. it's, it's it's great that the scene is in it, not not for the not it's 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 written and is and and shot like a western, so it's like a it's a really good moment. It's like okay, he's going to do something, but also it, it serves as um like for the end for the shootout. We're not surprised he's a good shot. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it that, functions that... for that as well. I think it's worth, if you guys don't mind, can we jump to that ending a little bit? Because I do of really course, want to talk about I need that. a beer. <laughs> oh, well, well go talk? ahead. Go get a beer. Yeah. I want to mention one other line that I wrote down that I thought yes. was so funny. Because it kind of plays... It's the one line that I think isn't meant to be funny, but okay. really, really made me laugh. Okay. And uh, and it was just because it... I think it went melodrama just like a, a, a skosh too far Sure. when he's having a moment with the love interest yeah. and he puts on, uh, I forget what, I put, is he listening to spring scene at this point? I forget. He puts mm-hmm. on a, a record yeah. and she's like, you know, you can get this on CD in stereo. <laughs> and he goes, it wouldn't matter to me. And then she goes, Oh, right. <laughs> like, oh, we, we have to, to come back to the, to the, to this him being like but we get to this right now when we talk about the end yes yeah like the he's deaf in one ear right yeah yeah but i just like that was a moment that i don't think was supposed to be so funny and it yeah. just killed me because I... first off that's not how stereo works he could still sense that it's coming <laughs> from a different area of the of the room like stereo would still function rather nicely for him if not a complete experience certainly an enhanced one uh-huh. and uh I don't know. I felt like if there was some sort of thematic bridge trying to be tied there that it didn't meet, and it just felt like a total moment of her being like stereo and him being like rude. I have one ear. It felt very strange like that. Yeah, it, it, uh, it I ran that back like ten times. 
I don't know if I that was Denny in, in the show. But, but I don't he, know if that scene was in the theatrical cut, which because I think oh, no. one ah. thing we haven't talked about yet is you guys watched the director's cut and I watched I think the theatrical cut and yeah. I don't that doesn't sound familiar to me. I don't know if that scene was in it. Probably it's the scene not. where they first, you know, start. Uh-huh. I, mean, yeah, I don't that, think they do that, but they... Right, yeah. Because uh, I oh, do remember some moment, discussion was... of uh, his music and records and stuff, but I, I don't remember that yeah. particular moment. He's, he's, he's listening to classic music, yeah. he's, uh, which I think is a great way to describe, and we're coming back to this. Before we go to the um, to the shootout, I think we have yeah. to sum it up what happens, and then the scene before the shootout, the, the speech yes. from uh, Harvey Keitel is very important. Um, but the classic music, the classical music, I think is beautiful because, um, he's, he's described by this and you're like, I don't think that he's should get some sort of like distinguished, uh, taste in music or something like that. But this is something old and true that he likes. Mm -hmm. And this is you know like there's no change in that and i think this is what 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 his character is up until then is like he's um this is soothing for him he listens yes. to music because it's soothing um yeah he doesn't need stereo he's good with what he's got yeah stereo also like in that moment probably very on the nose you could be with someone that they, they picked this up later on in the dialogue and he's not going to be with someone unless he can be with the girl he wants saved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. What is yeah. She's like, she's like, why didn't you ever get married? And he's like, all the good ones were taken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen the, seen the scene, but probably it's cut at that time. Okay. Yeah. So there was cut, a thing I that was, uh, I read about what was different about the theatrical and uh, director's cut. Yeah. And there was something that's only in the director's cut that happens right after Frankie's first meeting with De Niro when they drive by a ball game and heightened in the sound of the ball game, like the crowd, is a coach yelling out. He's like, stay, stay. No time. Not the time to be the hero. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's so great that just worked into the texture of the audio in that yeah. moment where <laughs> Stallone's trying to decide whether to be a hero or not. So, like The world is telling him not to. And I was like, that's yeah. so neat. And it's very subtle. But uh, it wasn't I like in the that. theatrical cut. It said, I yeah. that was very interesting." I, 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 how I knew I saw the theatrical, not the director's cut. By the way, was I, I looked up a thing that explained the differences, and right away the first thing is, in the theatrical cut, the one that I watched in De Niro's dialogue in the beginning. You know, he opens with the uh, narration. Yeah. Uh, when they show Freddie and Chris, you brought this up earlier. When they show Freddie playing pinball, one of the things that De Niro says right in the opening minutes of the movie is. Um, uh, they made this guy, Freddie, sheriff of the town because he always wanted to be a cop but never could because of an injury with his ear because he was deaf in uh, one ear. They tell you right away that Freddie uh, is the sheriff okay, okay. and they put him in... But he, he, the reason he's the sheriff is because he couldn't be a cop, he got injured, and they put him in place. They give you all that information in the first, like, 10 seconds of the movie. Bad in the theatrical cut? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. It's It's, like, literally, it's, like... One line that De Niro says, it's very yeah. fast, and apparently it's not in the director's cut. That they That's, withhold yeah, that information. It. Yeah. But I do remember that line, because I've seen this movie a couple of times, so maybe yeah. this was my first time with the director's cut, because that sounds really familiar. 
Yeah, he says even it, even in the director's cut, that opening line set feels a little stilted. Yeah, yeah but but it, the opening line in the director's cut is all about the town, all yes. about Copland, yeah. why mm -hmm. they built it back in the seventies. Mm -hmm. So there's no mention of Freddy, I think. Yeah, I, think I yeah, they, we don't we don't meet Freddy until we meet Freddy. I think yeah. the Freddy thing is like added, like it's a little added piece of dialogue as the camera is first kind of giving <laughs> Freddy. Is it just like, it's this place. They called it Copland. <laughs> I should also mention that the sheriff is Freddy. He was like installed there. Can't hear out of one. Yeah, it literally is. It's like it's that fast. And that's exactly what it is. Some trouble. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Freddy's in over his head. <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah. You probably wonder how I got here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about this final seed, the the big final show, the showdown at the OK uh, cul-de-sac. Yeah. Uh, well, so here's the thing that I really liked about this this finale. One is that it's great that the movie does sort of like build to like stepping into you know a uh i guess like a more heightened drama fight you know it finally becomes a little bit of the stallone action movie you know what i'm saying <laughs> which is like kind of fun that it like that it gets there um but i really like that there's a line earlier in the movie uh where i can't remember who stallone is talking to but he's trying to convince them why they need to like get this figured out and like they can't just let it go and he says like uh he references Superboy and he says he's out there running around scared like an animal. Like he, he's alone out there like a scared animal or something. And, and what, Ray Liotta. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking to Ray Liotta and he says, like, hey, he's out there like a scared animal. And what I really like about this last scene is, one, I love the execution of when they when they shoot the gun off in his other ear. It yeah. happened. So Ooh. fast, I did not expect that to be like. Of course, that's what this is building to. You know what I mean? Like, you know, though, that is also a. Uh, that's like one of those great no style is the style moments. Yes. When they get the drop on him, it's not some big thing. They yes. just enter the frame and, and wrestle him down. Yeah. You know, it's, yes. it's not yeah. a big hit. And, and, and that, even that gun thing just happens like that. That's what I mean. I mean, it happened so fast that I was like, oh, my, I literally in my seat, like as I was watching, I was like, oh my god, and like just kind of yeah. froze there for a second because it was so surprising, and then. Freddy becomes like an animal. Like once they take that, his hearing away from him, there's nothing left standing between him and his instinct. That's all he has left now. Yeah. The thing when he that comes he lumbering like, up with the shotgun, just looking yes. all haggard, he's downright terrifying. Yes. Yeah. He, he become, I mean, he becomes like, like a movie monster. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, 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 he becomes it, Rambo five. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's so nice because like his physique is, is established way earlier, like in a beautiful shot when he, when he decides that he's right before the Robert De Niro, you blew it scene. When he goes <laughs> to New York city, by train to see Robert De Niro and say, "I, I, I have Super Bowl boy. I, I know where he is. I can yeah. give it, give him to to you." And he's walking up the subway stairs, and the this image and the way he he walks up these stairs, like like he's pushing his really fat. He's not really fat. He's just overweight and out of shape. But it's like he's like he's like a Hulk. He's like yeah. massive. Yeah, and this movement is like you just have a silhouette back against like the the light coming coming down from from above. Um, this is great. This is, establishes him 
as a creature of of force of power where mm-hmm. before we only see like his sad eyes yeah that's true because we, we kind of keep him sad eyes he, he's a tight frame for a lot of the movie there's just that one sort of reveal on his big old belly yeah and yeah. then uh yeah that's a great yeah, observation, that, when he comes that's around the corner with that shotgun and you're like man he's off the hook He's mm-hmm. about to just, he doesn't care. He's going to kill some motherfuckers. Yeah. This is executed brilliantly. But before we get deeper into that, I think we have to, to talk about the, um, because then it's going full Western. Then we have like High Noon, where yeah. he's like mm-hmm. saying, okay, he, he finds Superboy um, and he takes him in. He, take, he takes him into jail and says, I'm, I'm going to hand you over to the authorities. And everyone, he's talking to is is forsaking him is leaving him like no one's helping him with that like oh i felt so bad for his buddy cup yeah (laughs) he's like i i have a kid i have to go yeah and i love when janine garofalo as soon as he's like i'm gonna start poking around in this she's like i want out i want my old job back this is dirty (laughs) shit yeah no (laughs) and and she's still there that's like like uh i've i've just realized that re-watching it this time um she's still in town like because when he he decides to he puts superboy in jail and he figures he's uh, all on his own and then he, he's making a, a move which is not really smart but is good for the story uh, <laughs> he goes to the he goes to the cop uh, bar and he goes to uh, to Harvey Keitel and says i have superboy <laughs> and I'm going to hand him over. I'm going to bring him in tomorrow at six o'clock. And I want you to come with me. Yeah. And then that's essentially start... him calling for the showdown. That's like, right. that's like, you know, I challenge you to a duel. It's this is happening at six. I yeah. want you to be there. Yeah. Right. And then there's, uh, Javi Cartel is, is breaking into this monologue. Um, trying to talk him out of it right mm-hmm. or trying to put him in his place yeah and janine garofalo is sitting in the background she's at the bar she's still there i didn't so, notice that so yeah. this uh deputy who called it quits is changed the sides she's she's with the cops now whoa interesting yeah and he's giving the speech and i think this is like really also very important to to his character of how he is perceived by the others, because uh, Harvey Keitel simply says, "Your plan is the plan, not the plan of a man. Right, Your right. plan is the plan of a boy. A man mm. thinks about things, and he's 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 trying to uh, figure out how the cards are dealt and what what his hand is. And this is interesting because actually, you know, like from a old Western point of view, um. Sylvester Stallone's Freddy's plan is the plan of a man. He's going with his guts. He's going yeah. all in. Um, but to call it the the plan of a boy is like this is t- s- telling so much. It's not not only about Freddy, but all about the genre, about the um, uh, masculinity, and and this is great. It's like very very good. And of course, he says I'm. There's nothing you can do. I'm I'm going to see you at six. So this is yeah. where we're going into the sh- into the um, uh, showdown. The showdown. showdown. Right. I want to invoke the thing here about the pinball metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I think please. this is what they're talking about. 
Ray Liotta says to him, there's two types of people, pinball people and video game people. You're a pinball person. And what this felt like to me by the end is exactly that, you know, a man's plan is to look at it like a video game, to say, here is this system, and I need to go into this system to make it work. Mm -hmm. And a boy's plan is one of pinball, which is, I don't know where this ball is going to go. I'm just going to react to it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna he- keep hitting these flippers, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna get the get the score as high as possible. Whereas like the video game is I gotta figure out you know I gotta I gotta work the 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 copland. So I think that's the the theme that they're trying to apply with that, and I think here's where it kind of made sense to me most. Totally, I like, totally. I like that. Like uh like literally reacting on instinct is pinball, mm-hmm. and and sort of strategic planning is video games. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and in this moment, we're seeing like the uh, the plan of a boy is one not to it's to not plan. It's to right. just feel it out. The plan right. of a man is to feel it out. A video game person, a pinball yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. And uh. I like that. That's but a really good read time, on that. When you go back to the old West, what was heroicized was actually the the pinball person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that that was, you know, you you said in terms of masculinity, the the man thing to do was to react, to feel yeah. out, and not have the plan. And so it's just, you know, it's an interesting reversal on that as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a really good read on that. Because I love pinball, man. Because <laughs> then you have to stick to plans. Ugh. <laughs> I got enough shit in my schedule. Plans? Yeah. Get out of here. But if uh, you roll a ball at me, I'll kick it. I do love, by the way, I mean, if we're going to talk about that that finale, I, I think we've like definitely hit the really good thematic stuff about it. The filmmaking stuff about it is so cool, too. Because it just like squibs, baby, squibs. Yeah, absolutely. But also we're talking about, you know, his no style style. One of the great benefits of being a no style style director is that then anytime you do even a little bit of style, it feels huge. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like you were saying before, Chris, Chris, when they first do a crane shot. Yeah. You're like. Boom! Big moment. Yes, and mm-hmm. there's some slow mo I think in this too, right? There's like he he chooses a couple like very specific, distinctive, sort of heightened style choices in this finale. Oh, he that... does the the rear view mirror shot. Yes, mm-hmm. where he's able to see that a guy's coming oh, out of the gun. Yeah. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't know I I just that that finale feels so explosive, and I think it's because he. He allows himself to indulge a little bit, and because he's so restrained up to that point, that indulgence feels humongous, you know? Well, that's how Westerns are. I mean, when you watch, like, a really old, long, epic Western, nothing happens for a long time. And it's just brooding and posturing and building the plot through interactions so that when it unspools, it does that. I also want to mention, too, Ray Liotta totally pulls a Han Solo on us here. Yes. Because you got the great scene of him driving down the highway. And even yeah. though he can't turn around, he's going yes. to have to take an exit if he wants to turn around. Uh, he just stops. He's like, God damn it, Freddy. Yeah. You're just too good. I've got to help you. It's him wheeling the horse around, wheeling the Millennium Falcon back around. Yep. If only Han Solo could have, uh, you know, ridden in while smoking a cigarette and firing a blaster. <laughs> it's, it's, I was wondering when this happens, is when this happened in the movie, when I saw it this time, I was wondering, was that an actor's choice. I'm gonna have the cigarette in my mouth. When I'm <laughs> yeah. But turns out, um, the great DVD that I have has the uh, uh, the storyboard for the for the finale on it. Oh. And 
he's already smoking a cigarette while shooting in the storyboard. Amazing. So that's the that nice. choice. I mean, that blew my mind. When he got out of that car and had a lit cigarette hanging out of his mouth, while he's doing the, like, you know, that that is a classic Western character, too. The sort of, like, the sort of drunk ex-hero. Do you know he's what I mean? He's a wild card. Yes, yeah. And he's, he's doing the... He's, and, and Rio he, Bravo. He's, like, doing that yes, thing where, yeah. like, he's limp-wristedly shooting his gun. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's yeah, got, like, yeah, a yeah. cigarette hanging in his mouth, and he's just sort of, like, it's, like, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. But it's also, he's also a flipper person because he, he has the cigarette in his mouth because he has to react. Yeah. He has to yeah. be fast. Yeah. And then after he's shot, he's taking the cigarette out of his mouth. And to have, he dragged on it, and then I think he drops it or something like that. So yeah. it's, like, really... He, we can't hear him because we can can only hear what uh, Freddie is hearing right now, and that is pretty much nothing. nothing yeah. So he he he's driving. Like I don't know. He's like like probably with the sound on, there would be a big uh, tire screech and and, and <laughs> jumping out of the like. So um. So this comes as no surprise, but very well. Um. How do you say pace timed? Mm-hmm. It's like it comes as a surprise, but it doesn't surprise yeah. you. It's Chris, really, think... really great. And just... the uh, perfect death of uh, um, uh, F- Fixie? Fixie. Fixie. Fixie's death is like the best death ever. Robert Patrick. again? Robert Patrick. Oh, Robert Patrick. Oh, Robert oh Patrick. no, yeah. he's Death. um uh sorry, that Figsy is um Ray Liotta's character. Ah, yeah, Figsy is Ray Liotta. Yeah, uh, he's Jackie. Uh, yes, Jack. Yeah, Jack is Robert Patrick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Jack in the Box. <laughs> that, that's the name for him. They were like, "Yo, Jack Attack." <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great because that was uh that was probably the closest thing in the movie to a straight up now draw because yeah. he's out of shells in the shotgun and they both have to draw a holster, yep. but then. Sly blows him the fuck away, and it's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> the squib is incredible. I love when an actor gets squibbed, yeah. and then they look down at it because they're shocked by the physical trauma on their body, and then they die. That doesn't happen in movies anymore because, you know, like John Wick moves a little faster. But that was a staple in 90s actions. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. Oh, man, that took me back, and it felt so good to watch. That rules. I loved it, yeah. <laughs> There was a there was a shot of like a squib going off on um, Stallone's like shoulder when he gets like shot in the arm in that scene. It like oh, goes yeah. into slow mo as a squib goes off, and I was oh glorious! I love it. It's incredible. Oh, the, the, like the, the, so simple, but you know, like the first shot that's meant for him goes straight into the the car window, and yeah. and shatters, and he shoots, and it's like. It, just one step further and he would have been dead and this would have been all mm-hmm. over. So like so if much. If he didn't rely- see the guy in the mirror, he'd have been blown away. That's even before that, I think. That that the uh, or is it with um Yeah, I forget how it's blocked. But yeah, really from moment to moment, he yeah. just gets off fast enough. Yeah. Right. He just gets the shot off in time or just gets missed. All it's a lot of is based on coincidence or just pure luck. So mm. I like this a lot because it's, of course, it's like like Lady Luck's on the side of the righteous one. So that's yes. nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's and actually like, beautifully put. 
And it's like pinball, right? It's like yeah. sometimes you just get, lu- I mean, right. you're really just flipping those things and you just, yeah. sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Which by the way, Chris, I think you just taught me that in Germany it's called flipper. It's not yeah. called, uh, it's not called pinball. It's called flipper. Oh, I said flipper. Yeah, it's, it's flipper. flipper. Oh, interesting. In, in Germany. Yeah. yeah. I, I was it. in a Denver couple years back and there was a bar there that was just all crazy pinball machines oh nice and it was just and it was like a dive bar otherwise i mean it was just like three dollar beers it was really shitty you could smoke inside mm-hmm. and um the one i i played for like three hours they had a ghostbusters pinball oh and let me tell you it was what but like not just because of the brand recognition it was like a good pinball <laughs> yeah. i must have spent 10 bucks on that thing just popping quarters in and playing uh-huh. it was so much fun that that is the best pinball I've ever played. Love it. If you see the, the Ghostbusters machine, break a dollar and do it. All it's right. so worth it. I can I can really recommend, and that's really nice. Not to Robert Patrick, the 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 bar where I grew up in, um, they had a Terminator 2 pinball machine, and the Terminator Ooh. 2 pinball machine is, it's for me, it's like the best ever. But I haven't played that many others. To be <laughs> The uh, well, that the one in the movie at the beginning that Freddy's playing is the Lethal Weapon Three pinball. That's machine. So funny, yeah. It's a real machine, yeah. That's hilarious. I kind of like pinball, guys. That's <laughs> like yeah. a thing oh, I know I a little too. bit about. Oh, you know what I want to look up as we maybe kind of wrap up some thoughts on the movie is I want to see who did the score because I really liked the score to this movie as well. All right, while you look that up, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read the one line that I have written down that I didn't get to read yet. Yeah, please. And uh, it's when Ray Liotta's trying to talk Stallone out of doing it. <laughs> Being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddy. Oh, that oh, was nice. a great line. Good. I loved that and, line. But he's really like looking, nice. you know, he's frames that he's looking like just over the viewer's shoulder. Mm-hmm. So you, you're almost getting looked directly at by Ray Liotta's iconic eyes. And when he delivers that line, you're like, yeah, he could fucking die. <laughs> and Ray Liotta's right. And the only reason Ray Liotta's still alive is because he's right about this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that was, I loved that line. I, this is so full of them. I, I felt a whole note. I agree with you. I, I th- The script was so good. I can't believe I didn't guess this, by the way. Howard Shore did the score to this, of course. Oh, of it's course. like, of course, a Howard Shore score. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's very good. I, like, really like the theme in particular, I thought, yeah. was, like, really, really good. Yeah. I think it, ha- it it is very of you know like every score now sounds like a Hans Zimmer score now. Back in the '90s, it was like there was horns and yes. it was uh, more sweeping music. And <laughs> I-, I think Horner is very much a. Uh, we lost him recently, didn't we? I think so. Or Howard Shore. Sorry, I'm thinking of James Horner. I'm sorry, Howard Shore. But James Horner is of that brand. I got yes. those. I forgot uh, to me mention see. there's a really goofy line uh, when uh, De Niro's first trying to talk Stallone into, you know, taking the mission. And I forget how he frames it, but he's talking about like, he's like, my loyalty for all of these guys is a fog. But through this fog, I see an island. Yeah. Copland. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where <laughs> yeah. it came in. Yeah. That's true. Right, that's all I got in my note. I have one more thing to say before we sum it up. Um, just, so, that's... just so everyone's aware, Howard Shore's still alive. He's still with <sighs> us. Thank Kicking God. It. Kicking Howard, it. I think, I hope you're doing good. And I recommend when you're having a birthday party, don't drink and drive. <laughs> He's, he looks to be 74, 75. I think I have that right, if I'm doing the math oh, right here. Still a young yeah, guy. Maybe don't drive at all. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's this one thing, and I, I, 
wouldn't have noticed it if it wasn't for the directors uh, for the commentary and that's that's one of the reasons why I love DVDs and Blu-rays because sometimes they come with great commentary. Uh, the commentary is not that super interesting on 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 Copland, but the one thing that I totally missed is um, in the in the shootout when uh, Stallone drops and and falls back against the car that's that's parked in the uh, in the garage driveway. He's making a huge dent into the car with his body and it's not on purpose it's just it's it's a regular car it's not a trick it's it's he's <laughs> making just by falling into the door there's a huge dent in it and that's Stallone's a fucking I, rock man yeah I, I i wouldn't have noticed this um if it wasn't for for the commentary that i've seen watched uh, and heard and listened to today for the first time that's, so um, that's fantastic so, look out for DVDs and Blu-rays. I can only—it's—it's—it's it's, it's worth it. I'm—I'm—I spend a lot of money <laughs> on, on on Blu-rays recently, um, and I've seen a lot of movies. I—I I think if I had streamed them, I would have stopped watching them like after ten minutes. Yeah. But on a DVD and Blu-ray, I'm like, man, I'm into it. I'm—I'm I'm just gonna watch the shit out of this. It's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's oh, great. It's wonderful. It's crap. So, um, I yeah. think that's correct. I, I'm between physical media players at the moment, and uh, I miss the like the event of putting on a on a DVD or a Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I've started buying physical media again, and I I love it. I I love being able to pull something off my shelf and watch it. I don't know why yeah. that's such a different experience, but I love it. It's so much better. Yeah. I, I have a piece of trivia about this movie that initially Ray Liotta and Stallone were auditioning and interested in opposite roles. Huh. And I think <laughs> if you try and picture that movie with Stallone as the coked out maniac and Ray Liotta as the sympathetic do-gooder, it's interesting, but I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. I think it could be done, but it would be different. Yeah. I think it would be less a, you know, being right's not a bulletproof vest. It'd be, you know, being right is not a bulletproof vest, friend. <laughs> it, would yeah. it would, like, have, like, that sort of a, you know, he'd be like, no, I got to do it. I got to save the day. Woo! I got <laughs> yeah. to do it for me. I got to do it for me. I got to do it for Karen. <laughs> uh, how about director Peter Berg uh, having a nice, uh, right. chunky little role in this one? Yeah. yeah. I like Peter Berg sometimes as a director, but I always like him when he shows up and stuff. Yes, agreed, agreed. That's a very good assessment of him. Yeah, he has that horrifying is... scene on the antenna. Yeah, that was cold as hell and visceral. The way the pool of blood came out. Ooh, that got me. Yeah, absolutely stunning cast in in the whole movie. Like the guy who kills him is a Method Man, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought that's who that was. I, it took me yeah. a minute. I was like, I think that's him, but I, I wasn't sure. You know, it's funny. My first thought was, is that cheese from The Wire? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, no, Method Man. Method Man, yeah. And I, I mean, it is cheese from The Wire, but I, that's who I think first. <laughs> My hip-hop cred isn't as strong as it could mm-hmm. be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the cast is crazy. Like, I don't know. I, like, every, like, two minutes, I was like, but this person's in this movie? What the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But boy, yeah, Robert Patrick with a mustache. I had like a sexual awakening while watching this movie. I like couldn't, <laughs> I could not believe it. I was like, holy hell, I didn't realize I had such a distinct type, but apparently I do. This guy's incredible. Well, He's, as I said on Twitter, I've got some late stage X-Files episodes that I'm, you will just go bananas for. Apparently I'm in. <laughs> Every time the camera like slowly pitched in on him and he was like smoking a cigarette and saying something real aggravated to somebody, I was like, oh, say it directly to me. Just look me in the eyes and say that. Hilarious. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I love this I movie. Think, uh, I'm so glad I think that this, this is the best Stallone performance that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... With that he's very good in this it's the best i've seen him and i think that he knows what he's doing and he's playing to his strengths yeah i think that's actually really what it comes down to is it's a role that's suited to strengths that he doesn't always get to show i agree and he shows them here and it's uh, he works so much better as a schlubby do-gooder than he does as a screaming uh soldier you know it's just i totally agree i mean that's why i said this reminded me a little bit of like first blood like where he is more of a sympathetic character that's like put yeah. into extreme circumstances, right? Like I, I really like him as well, this Rocky's kind, kind of, of an idiot. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the whole thing. Rocky's yeah. just kind of dumb, but yeah. he's got the strongest heart in the world, and he wants yeah, to do right. good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree uh, that this character's like smarter than Rocky, but there, there's a similar sort of, uh, I don't know. See, he, he's like he, he seems like. He seems slower than the world around him. And that's not to say that this character is slow in the way that Rocky might be, but like he, he definitely is slower than the world around him. You know, he's slower than the world around him by choice. Yes. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like in this movie, he's like, he's broken down a little bit to the point that he's like, he's slowed down in a way that the world is not, you know, Mm. and he's, he's kind of like Rocky after everyone told him to shut up. Like, like, um, he's, I think he's got a big, and strong heart, mm-hmm. Freddy. But the way he reacts to to all the shit that is laid on him, even when someone tells him like, "No, I'm not gonna help you," um, or even the with the with um, Harvey Keitel at the end really insulting him, like he's insulted over the whole, all of the movie, and he just, you know what? He's not taking it like a boy because right. boy would just like scream and and say that that's unfair and how are you treating me. Um, He's actually taking it like in a classic sense of masculinity, like a man. He just yeah, yeah. that's true. He's, and in that moment too is when Harvey Keitel sort of becomes a boy, right? Because when mm-hmm. he realizes that his typical sales speech isn't gonna isn't gonna take, he starts to get petulant about it right. and starts to you know appeal to the whole man boy thing. There's nothing I could say. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm taking him at six. I really like you to be there. <laughs> yeah, I think you should be there. Yeah, and we thought we could all go in together. It's, it's, it's a good couch. We got a cup and link. It's a couple of turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kiss you. you. You can kiss me back if you want to. <laughs> Remember that Rocky when he's just like just a little too uh, a little pushy there, Rock? I know you're the champ and all, but not yet. Yeah. So then you're, you're, you're a huge Sylvester Stallone fan. Oh, yeah. Elaborate. Oh, um, I love the Rocky movies. See, see, you got him back there. He's mm-hmm. hanging out with Lennon. And um, no, I just uh, he's a goofball and he's weird. But that's what I love about Stallone is that he is 100 percent of his career always gives his best no matter what the role is. He's always giving 100 mm-hmm. um, percent. 
he's always succeeding pretty much on his own terms. I mean, his story of how he got Rocky made is the story of Rocky. It's, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And he just constantly works hard and constantly just appeals to the idea that if you just do it your way as best as you can, good things can happen. And that motivates me. And he seems to live it, you know, relatively to a degree, Yeah. Um, especially now that he's like an old man on, on Instagram and stuff. But like, he's just, I appreciate somebody going their own way, doing it with pride and not, not like, you know, hurting anybody in the process. It doesn't seem, you know, I'm sure he's probably got some stories, but as far as it concerns me, and then that in tandem with, I love the Rocky franchise so Mm -hmm. deeply. And that's just the theme that is aggressively hammered home in the most melodramatically, just like fucking aggressive handed home. (laughs) And, but it just works for me. And, I don't know. I love it. Uh, I, How about you? When I run and I need to do an extra mile, I'll be like, I'm tired. You know what? What would Stallone do? And then I get human growth hormone out. I shoot it up uh-huh. and I do that extra mile. So do, 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 do you guys living in Philadelphia, do you run the, the stairs when you're running and you have to do the extra mile? No. no <laughs> I mean, if I find myself at the stairs, I always run up the stairs and then do that at the top because I will never be able to not do that. Um, but I live a couple miles away from there, a couple miles too many that I can't mm, end. Okay. Although they do the Rocky Run, which is like a run that you sign up for. That's like a you know a run run, and I did that a couple times, and it ends at the steps. But they don't let you go up the steps because it's a liability <laughs> at the end of a of a you know a 10k. So yeah, that would require it, me to. But it's cool that we have the steps. That would require me to run in the first place, so uh, I've I've not ever run the Rocky Steps. Dude, I hate running so much, but it's the cheapest exercise, uh-huh. and so it's just like that's cool. I'll do that, yeah. I, and I'll just put on a pie. I fucking hate it. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, I hate it. So yeah. Garrett, yeah, yeah. What about you and and Sylvester Stallone? Oh, I mean. <laughs> I enjoy Stallone. Like I like Stallone. Movie. I'm. I think I'm more of a Schwarzenegger guy. If that's still a feud <laughs> that that is happening, I you know I'm more of a Schwarzenegger guy. But I like Stallone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I actually one of my favorite movies of the last, Dan and I talk about this all the time. I fucking love Creed, and I think that he is incredible in Creed. Um, and, and so I, I have a healthy appreciation for him. We watched uh, First Blood and uh, Rambo, First Blood Part Two. For the I had never seen either of them. Uh, we watched it for the podcast. I think within the last year, right, Dan? And uh, I enjoyed both of those movies. Like he, he's, I definitely like Stallone, but I'm, I'm more of a Schwarzenegger guy. But I, I grew up some... a Schwarzenegger guy. I came into yeah. Stallone later in life. But still, I mean, Schwarzenegger's the same thing. He's a guy who works hard. Oh yeah. He's mm-hmm. laser focused on what he wants. You know, he he lifted weights and then governed California. It's insane. Uh-huh. And now he's an old guy on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> he's also an old guy. No, I love I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I really do. I think he's he's he's. Yeah, he's he's probably not the the greatest actor, but he's. A better actor than most people take him for. I agree um, with that. Oh, absolutely. True yeah. Lies is a personal favorite, and he's very, very good in True Lies. Yeah. Very charismatic. He gets the joke. He's like, yeah. I think especially I, I, when he's trying to be funny, he's uh, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like to to. I, I don't know why no one does that over here in Germany or Austria to just like get him into a smart indie german movie because um 
I don't know if you guys seen the the um the one is it called Prison Break or something like that? Yeah, I know what you're where talking he, about. Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene uh, where Escape Plan. Escape, escape plan, plan. Yeah. yeah. And there's a scene where Schwarzenegger is starting to to uh uh to pray, and he's he's uh he's praying in German, and it was so intense because it's <laughs> it's without any accent, not even with an Austrian accent, and he's he's going nuts, and it was, man, give that guy. Make him, I don't know, a detective on German TV. He'd, he'd kill it. He'd yeah, absolutely yeah. kill it. Um, he should so do it. I remember when that scene happened. It came out of nowhere. And it was one of those where I, I had to stop. And I was like, he's been the most famous person in my life for my entire life. And I've never once heard him speak in his native language ever. You know until what? Until that moment. What's it's crazy is that in Germany, like the... Um, uh, the movies are uh, adapted into German. Um, mm. And Stallone and Schwarzenegger have the same voice actor. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, this is the best day of my life, because now I know that. Yeah. And, so and, wait, does that mean a movie such as... Escape Plan stars both of them, does it not? Uh, yes, and, and also the... Uh, uh, I think one of the Expendables. Yes. And I haven't seen them in German. I think maybe one of them now has a different okay. voice actor. Um, but the one... <laughs> they got the guy who, who dubs Frank Stallone, typically. <laughs> <laughs> and I think until I was 25 or 26, I've never seen a Schwarzenegger movie in um like in its original language so i only knew the 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 his german voice and his german voice is the same german voice as sylvester stallone's (laughs) it's a totally bland normal voice it doesn't have like an italian slur in it or a strong austrian accent no accent at all and then the first time i i watched i think it was predator and and it was like what the fuck is going on? I, he's he's talking get like, the chopper. Like, <laughs> but in, in he's, Germany, he's he'd be like, "Get to the chopper." <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolute. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolute to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. Do it, do it now, Max Nell. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's all that's a hundred percent of the German I know. Yeah. <laughs> I also it know works. hasta la vista, baby. That's no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it totally works, I think, with a lot of the early Schwarzenegger movies where he just has to say something. Um, no, but then you know, like getting into like more and more watching movies in in the original language, and also realizing that like I don't know when it was like early 20s, middle 20s, it was like movies like, I don't know, Schwarzenegger movies and Stallone movies didn't interest me. I was kind of like, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to peel my eyes for something better. Uh, but then realizing, no, these movies are great. They're, they're like really good movies like Predator, Terminator, and um, Rocky and, and First Blood. Um, like getting to know this yeah, both actors like later on was um, 
very rewarding. Like with all the all the, the dumb movies they're doing in between, or they they've done in between, or but like, Rocky is a classic movie serious it's like like this yeah yeah well that's universal appeal everybody yeah. loves the underdog chris all i'm hearing is that you need to find a way to let arnold schwarzenegger know that you're making a courtroom drama on vhs <laughs> and you've got the part of a prosecutor for him to play well he would have to be down with smoking a cigarette for every <laughs> I mean, well, no, we just gotta update it to cigars. Yeah, as long as it's a cigar, cigar and there's a goat next to him, I'm pretty sure he's down. <laughs> he did a video the other day where he was stretching, and then it was like revealed that it was puppet legs, and he was just like, "It was like this guy is just still putting out gold." Yeah, gold. The, I'd love uh, to. I'll um, make... You should you should come to my my um very no budget courtroom. <laughs> Shoot, um, nah, I'd, I'd be embarrassed. I'd, I'd really be embarrassed. I, I, He'd I'd, probably I'd... do it with enthusiasm and charm, and he would just crush it. Yeah. I don't know <sighs> if you've seen a movie, but I'll make a recommendation, and I hope I have the right title. Have you seen Maggie? That's yes. correct, yeah. Yeah, yes. and it was like, he, he did a, a really fine performance He's in that. great in that movie, I think, yeah. I, I love, actually, I, I didn't like the movie that much. I don't think, I think it was like, uh, mixed how do you say mixed mixed back yeah. i think it would be, yeah. it's, it's a great I would movie agree I, with that assessment yeah. yeah yeah i think it probably would have touched me or, or reached me far more when i was like 16 or, or 14 yep. mm -hmm. then i think this would be the right movie for me um but his uh, storyline is like really good he's it's great not, in that movie just not that big that important to the movie, right? So the most of the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. is about the is about Maggie actually, uh, which is cool. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but his performance was like, wow! Was I didn't know he had this in him. That was yeah. really great. He's, he's tremendous in it. Um, I'm about to do a, a courtroom. A, what I understand is partially a courtroom movie tomorrow. I'm really excited. I've decided I'm finally going to watch JFK for the first time. I've never ooh. seen that movie. Uh, not I've never seen it either, actually. And Me neither. It's like three and a half hours long. And yeah. I was like, you know what? That just might be the thing to do on one of these quarantine days. Yeah. And uh, so I might do that tomorrow. Oh, my God. Can we please do a courtroom special sometime? Uh, oh, totally. We talk about courtroom dramas. Yeah. What's, uh, what's a courtroom drama that you would that you would recommend we do for the show? Yeah, like what's a favorite? Oh, Ooh. favorite. Um, I'm, I think, uh, <laughs> of course, Philadelphia. Oh, sure. Right on. Philadelphia has it all. Philadelphia is yeah. a really good courtroom drama. Is that Jonathan Demi? Is that right? Mm -hmm. That's Jonathan Demi. I've actually yeah. never seen uh, Philadelphia front to back. Yeah, I've either. seen chunks of that movie, but I've never actually sat down to watch it. I've been meaning to do it. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. I've seen it uh, last year recently, and it still holds up. It's like in some aspects it might seem dated from 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 a today's point of view yeah but i think mm. for back then it's pretty great actually yeah. and it, it's fantastic actually yeah i know it's um, widely widely considered the best so i i would like to watch that i feel like i've been doing a lot of homework catch up on on quarantine yeah i feel like the 90s were like the era of courtroom dramas yeah that was like oh yeah 
you know, 40% of the American box office from 1990 to 1999 was like courtroom dramas. Yeah. That figures. That's right. It's all pre 9 11. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's true. And then it became like smash and grab uh, military <laughs> movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that shit for a while. We got all into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, 12 Angry Men is probably my go-to uh, courtroom yes. movie. I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 12 Angry Men. I think if great. I have one. There's a there's a great, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird is kind of oh. like a courtroom movie. Sure, yeah. Not, not just a courtroom movie. Not exclusively, movie, but... but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was and... a movie that came out a few years back. I think it was actually a Sidney Lumet movie. With Vin Diesel called Find Me Guilty. I've never seen that. Yeah, Vin Diesel, <laughs> yeah he gains some weight and he yeah. it's a real story. It's a true story about a gangster that decided to defend himself in court. Yeah. Uh, you know, be his own representative and is like such a charming guy that he managed to like work the system. And so it's Vin Diesel a little heftier doing like a, a, a Peter Dinklage is in it. Yeah, here it's very uh, good. And, I, I remember enjoying it. I've only seen it once. I always think about it when when courtroom movies come up, so I imagine it's at least decent. And then there's also a great thing that came out of it uh, because Vin Diesel did so many press interviews where he had to talk about his weight gain. Uh, somebody edited together a supercut of Vin Diesel being like, "Well, I ate a lot of ice cream," just like over and over again at every <laughs> different talk show. It's amazing. It's so funny. <laughs> Another really good courtroom drama is um, I don't like the the John Grisham uh, courtroom dramas. They're, okay. They're I don't know. Kid that, Brief is that one of his? Yeah, I haven't seen the that firm. one. Um, but like the later ones, um, they they they're really I don't know. They're really shallow for mm-hmm. for, for my taste in in courtroom dramas. They they they're going too easy on the courtroom action. It's all about the um uh like the, the how do you say i'm really tired guys uh <laughs> the stuff they have to do to to uh to find out um like all the the lawyer work which yeah, is yeah yeah all the investigation work. yeah and, and the investigation and that's all bullshit it's all like um oh like, bureaucracy yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like like every Metlock episode is better than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's really lame. But that uh, one really good courtroom drama is uh, Civil Action with uh, John Travolta. Oh. Yes, I and... saw that on an airplane when I was uh, a kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right place and time to watch courtroom dramas about. Yeah. Like evil corporations destroying the environment. Right, that's what that one's about. Yes, yeah. I remember yeah. that movie. I remember liking that movie. I mean, I was—I think I was like ten, but I remember enjoying that movie. I've it's never seen it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Robert Duvall is playing the 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 evil lawyer, right, and he's, right. he's he's kind of like he's playing it down so much. He's he's great. He's just like I'm used to doing this. John Travolta is all like, I'm I'm gonna win this case. I'm gonna save the environment. I'm I'm gonna do good for these people. And there's oh, there's uh, uh, people sick because of of all the stuff they pour in the water. And we're gonna do right. And Robert Duvall is just like, hmm. No. That's <laughs> 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 that's kind of like like his role. And um, 
It's great. It's it's a really good movie, and John Travolta is really good in it. Oh my god! I'm gonna put the whole <laughs> system on track. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite courtroom dramas. Uh, Awesome from the 90s. Uh, liar, Liar. Have you guys seen this one? Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that's drama? Is it a drama? Yeah, the lawyer can't lie. I've never seen something more dramatic. <laughs> I just wish that there was like a sequence at the end of Liar, Liar where they're like, all right, guys, now that everything's resolved, we've got to address the, the elephant in the room. So magic is real? Yeah. Magic exists now? Yeah. Is this a thing? Can we, can we think yeah. about the, the implications of this? Yeah. And so what we've proved here today is that this entire system is based on lies. Otherwise, this movie doesn't function even at a base level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a, a, what was the, uh, uh, never mind. I had a courtroom drama and it, it escaped me. Like I said, I took an edible, so it's gone. Yeah, that, I mean, that's like not one of my, uh, I feel like I like them when I see them, but it's not, it's fun. You saying it out loud, Chris, I'm like, I never even, I never would have thought to be like, oh, you know what I'm going to do today is a deep dive on courtroom drama. I don't even consider that like a, a genre I should be thinking about. You know? I don't know. Maybe it's because my dad is a lawyer. I don't know. Mm, so. mm. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. Runs yeah, but that's great. I, so please bring up, bring, if you uh, come back to the show sometime and bring us a courtroom drama, we would love to do that. I'm pretty sure we're going to find a more, I, I think all these movies, like 12 Angry Men is like, it's a classic. It's, yeah, that's yeah, movie yeah. like really delve, worth delving into, but probably finding a more recent courtroom drama, which is not like the courtroom drama like Philadelphia or something. I'm, 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 I'm gonna go into my courtroom drama section of my DVD shelf and find something. It's a whole Sweet. section of your DVD shelf. I love it. <laughs> if only. I'll put the whole section on trial. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, you guys want to want to close it out here? Wrap her up? Yeah, Wait. man. Let's wrap it up. I oh, love Copland, so Chris. Thank you for bringing it to the show. It was a, a very good watch. It's a movie that I probably would not have watched had you uh, not brought it to the show. And I'm very glad that I did. Nice. And I bet I'm, you'll watch I'm, it again. Yes, I I'm will. Gonna... I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to watch it again, that's for sure. Um, I'm pretty glad that it's kind of like these one of these movies, like most movies actually, but not nowadays. It's a standalone picture. It's not based on anything. Yeah. It's um, it's not setting, uh, of building a world for a franchise or anything. It's just this story. And it's simple. And it has some some truth in it. And... It's very well executed. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, I just loved it. And I had the same thought as I was watching it. I was like, oh, we just, I, I mean, I feel like an old man saying this, but it's like, <laughs> we don't make movies like this anymore. Like, yeah. there are not mid budget, star studded movies anymore that yeah. are just like this kind is of slow dramas, you know? This is the kind of movie that if someone's like, yo, have you seen that? I'd be like, yo, that's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it, that, that's the way that's the way to describe it there's yeah. no way to like sell someone on just like that's right. a good movie yeah. you should watch that yeah because i feel like that's the kind of thing that i could recommend to just about anybody you know oh, just yeah. it works it's it's a machine yeah very good chris um do you want to like plug yourself in some way like please tell people are you still doing the horror comic is that still the one you're working on uh the survivor girl yeah no 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 actually oh and this is oh it's too bad you bring this up because i just took the site down because nothing is happening there and 
have to save some money. But I've oh. put the um, I've put the most beautiful railway for everyone to watch on YouTube. So oh, excellent. If, if any of of you of your listeners wanna wanna experience what you experienced way back when we first met, yes. um, I'm gonna send you the link and you can just put it in. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, put, I'll it, do in that. I'll put it in the show description. Yeah, I'll show. make sure, right. and that way people can uh, that way people can check it out because uh, we obviously Dan and I are big fans of your movie. We've talked about it a lot on the show, uh, and so people should watch the most beautiful railway. And then if uh, they want to help support you right now, they could also buy a copy of it because that's the only way to hear that's Dan right. and I's commentary on your movie. That's true. That's true. Uh, we got to set up a contest because we got a couple extra copies. We that do. We can yeah, give we should give one away. Some, uh, adoring fans, so we should yeah. get some of these out there into the world. Yeah. Okay. So we'll come up with something. Yeah. Contest. We'll we'll figure something out. Okay. Great. Something. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. So Chris, can where? So where can people support you though? Otherwise, like, where can they find the DVD? Where can they find the your artwork? Like, where where can they get these things? Uh, I have a. I've, the, the stuff is uh, the thing is that um I'm mostly working on book projects right now that are published in Germany, yep. so they are not online. Um, I have a website. Uh, you can put it in the in the notes as well. Sure. Um, and they can see some of the stuff. Most of the stuff is in German, so um, I don't know if this <laughs> helps. And and the stuff that's in English, like like the the videos that I shot, uh, and and the movies there for free, for you to enjoy on the internet. Um, so. Uh, there's actually no way to support me <laughs> <laughs> except for, I don't know. Um, no, there's, there's actually a way for, for anyone to support me, um, which is okay. I'm, <laughs> I can't plug anything. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm working on tons of stuff. Yeah. I can't hard sleep, um, but it's all, I don't know, it's all for... Mostly German market. It's 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 uh, book jobs. Well, we do uh, have worldwide listeners, so there there are people all around the world. So so if 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 uh, if if anyone is uh, familiar with uh, the uh, youth detective series, the Three Investigators, um, uh, which is like an American youth detective series, uh, kind of like the Hardy Boys. Yeah. And it was written by a very interesting author called Robert Arthur. And um, th this franchise was established in the 60s, late 60s. Um, and I found that no one in America really knows about this. It's kind of like second or third fiddle to the Hardy Boys or, or Nancy Drew. Mm -hmm. um, but in Germany, the, the, the franchise took on like a movement of it on, on its own. And it's like the biggest thing ever and i'm happy to be working for this franchise so i'm coming up with uh crazy quirky uh crime cases for three young detectives to solve and Super um, cool. i'm turning them into graphic novels um and there are two interesting facts if you like into this kind of stuff is that back in the day this was uh, robert arthur he was working for alfred hitchcock and he was an editor on the alfred hitchcock presents book anthologies and he said he wanted to do uh, like this kind of a thing like the Hardy Boys because they were there before that and he asked Alfred Hitchcock if he would mind to to be in it as himself 
Alfred Hitchcock said, go for it. And so like the first 20 cases or so of the three investigators always have Alfred Hitchcock in it. <laughs> That's um, so cool. Amazing. And um, the one thing that I learned when I was when I was doing research to find out if anyone in the States or in the English uh, countries still know the three investigators was that I stumbled over a um, quotation um, on IMDb by um, Shane Black, who said he grew up reading these books. And then I watched Monster Squad for the first time. And there are so many references to the series in Monster Squad. That's uh, amazing. I wish Shane Black would do like a Three Investigators movie. But uh, so if Shane Black is to... listening. I need to consume everything three investigators just so I can understand Monster Squad better. Because I grew up on Monster Squad. That's like the best movie ever. And, oh, yeah. Oh, I want to yeah, get the reference. I'm there. glad we begged you to talk about this, Chris, because this, this is pretty interesting. <laughs> I bet we actually have listeners that would be interested in this. Yeah. Great. So Yeah, Monster Squad is a favorite of the show. Yeah, nice. And I, uh, there's a there's an American movie, Chris, called Mystery Team. Uh, Donald Glover oh, was in it when he was younger, yes. and I, it, I would say it seems very similar to this premise. Is probably at least somewhat a reference to it. I, have, I haven't seen it. I've seen like like clips uh, of it on YouTube, and it's definitely it's it's uh, it's a spoof on yeah, kind of like a mad spoof on uh, on on the series. Yeah. Totally, it's and super funny. Much I recommend made... it. <laughs> yeah. What a thing yeah. to have taken on in multiple cultures. Just the idea of boy detectives. Yeah. Boy he's a detective, detective, but he's a boy. <laughs> boy detectives. God damn it, Kowalski, you're a genius. He solves crimes, but he yeah. doesn't understand most things about the world yet. <laughs> <laughs> the great, crazy thing about all of these series, be it Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys or the Three Investigators or the Famous Five uh, from England. Um, Scooby-Doo. They always approach adults, and adults are never reluctant to tell them what's going on. It's always like, <laughs> yeah, we are detectives. We're like 12 years old, and we're detectives. Everyone's, every adult is like, okay, then I have to tell you that this is really dangerous because that person is threatening me. It's like, it's ridiculous. They're like, this in every every book, every case, it's like this. Yeah, that's it's so great. true. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, the little kid came up to me and was just like, oh, I'm a detective. You want to tell me about this crime that you're investigating? I'd be like, um, can you, like, I think you have to leave where we're at. Like, yeah. Move out of here. Get out of here. This, is, this, works. this is what the movie Summer of 84 is about, is that when the kid yeah. detectives start investigating, they get murdered. Like, that's yep, what right. happens to child right. investigators. That's so funny. That makes me like that movie even more now. Yeah. Yeah. As a subversion of of just the boy detectives. Gee golly. Swell. <laughs> nice. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks, guys, for having me. And thanks for spending the first night in Germany to go out uh, with me in my kitchen where I can smoke and drink beer <laughs> and not go out. You're I welcome. recommend this to everyone to not not go crazy and, and go to the pubs while this really crazy insane dangerous virus is going on if this is a way that movie movies Agreed. can be helpful to the world that we just keep people inside listening to us we're best we're happy to do it that sounds great yeah, if there are any international listeners that would like to be interviewed perhaps at a similar time to when we're recording this <laughs> yeah. uh, so that i don't have to stay up late but you can stay home from the bars we'd be happy to offer that service yes. to you yeah. uh, <laughs> bonus points if you pick a movie 
Yes, bonus nice. tomahawks if you pick a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I like that. Which uh-huh, brand? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I wish I had you, a stamp that I could do. Yeah. You can find the podcast on uh, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere on the internet at I Like Two Movie. It's numeric two. Uh, if you want to email us, I Like Two Movie at gmail.com. And uh, we're on iTunes and most of your podcatchers. Leave us a review. That, that really helps us out. Uh, let us know what you think. And um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmadelphia. That's with an F. And I'm on cinema76.com. Boom. Uh, yeah, at Dan Scully on all of those things Letterboxd, Twitter, cinema76.com, findy.com. And uh, I always feel like I have something else to say, and I, I absolutely do not. Damn, we're in quarantine. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else. I. Oh, and you know what? Uh, also, bounce on over to our YouTube. We have one video oh, up, yes. so it's really right. a chance to ratchet up the numbers because yeah. you just keep just hitting that one. You don't have to make any decisions. Just run it like you're a fucking algorithm. I forgot. And, uh, <laughs> we're gonna have some more stuff coming. Like you are, uh, I think like weekly, we're going to talk about our picks and we're going to play some games and maybe offer some chances for some prizes. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, check out our YouTube. It's I like to movie the same as everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, check us out over there. We're we're literally just, uh, I don't know, goofing around over there, shooting the shit. Yeah. And one day the Patreon will launch, but uh, you know, we're taking our time because no one has money. So, you know, we don't want to be like, Hey guys give us your money that's right that's cold yeah bad time to do it um all right let's let's wrap this thing up chris you probably know how this goes by now my name is gareth oh, and that said I... if you guys do want to give us your money like you can totally do that though as well <laughs> yeah, i don't want to say don't yeah. do it. you know if you're so inclined and you have the means uh scrape as many bills off the top as you can yeah. but uh, otherwise you know yeah. we're trying to be classy <laughs> right uh my name is gareth smith and i like to movie movie my name is dan scully and i like to movie movie my name is Christopher Tauber, and I like to movie, movie, too. And we all know that you like to movie, <laughs> movie, like movie, because, because we, we like, like to, to movie, movie, movie. Sorry, guys. It's so hard with the Skype. Dude, you don't but have to apologize for that. <laughs>